African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good day and welcome to African Dialogue. We're broadcasting to you live from our studios in South Africa in Auckland Park. I'm Ayanda Mkwanazi, your host, and you can live stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. You can also listen to us on the DSTV audio bouquet, channel 802. On our first segment today, I'll be joined in studio by Commissioner Mbuiselo Bota from the Commission for Gender Equality. We'll be talking all things gender, from women being abused and beaten. The discussions now are around how do we change the minds of young men or how do we instill a sense of respect towards women and who better to pose this question to other than Commissioner Bota himself. You do not want to miss this. Stay tuned to Channel Africa. Building Africa with love. Hujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. The United Nations says gender equality is not only a fundamental human right, but a necessary foundation for a peaceful, prosperous and sustainable world. Currently, one in five women and girls between the ages of 15 and 49 have reported experiencing physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner within a 12-month period, and 49 countries currently have no laws protecting women from domestic violence. In South Africa, President Sil Ramaphosa himself has admitted that women and children are under siege, saying there's a need to recognize the reality that we are confronting a crisis of violence and intolerance. Now, to help us with this discussion, I'm joined in studio by Commissioner Mbuiselo Bota from the Commission for Gender Equality, a man that has fought for equal rights for men and women and has also advocated for boy children to be mentored from a very early age. Good morning and thank you for joining us. Well, good morning. Thank you for inviting us. Let's start where you started with this journey, uh, Commissioner. What was it about your upbringing that made you realize this is what you wanted to do? Well, um, I, I, I did not know that I did not have a father or I did not know my father. But something striking was that I was raised by an amazing woman who, in fact, uh, made me not even realize and notice that there was an absent father in my life. I Later in my life, I then discovered that as, as, as boys, as you grew, you, you wanted to belong. I mean, there was issues of uh, where you'd say, but culturally, where do I come from? What do I do? And the best place would have been to go and ask your dad. And getting into this work, I then realized that there was an opening. There was this uh, emotional 
gap in my life mm. which said, but you know, the importance of, of having a father in one's life. And that's, that's when I realized that uh, it is important for us to begin to, to uh, have a, a different narrative about absent fathers and those that are present, but absent, present physically, but emotionally absent. Mm. And how difficult or, or easy was it watching your mom raise you up without a father? I mean, there's such a burden and responsibility placed on single mothers to yeah. be mothers and fathers. Absolutely. It, it's an amazing woman. Uh, my mother, may her soul rest in peace, she died in 1998. Um, I mean, she raised, we were seven at home. Hmm. Uh, and now I'm left with my only sister, Buiswa. Um, I mean, I, I, I could not understand that she, how was she able to juggle these roles of providing for us, uh, protecting us, and but also being emotionally there. An amazing woman who, uh, by our standard, would have been poor, uh, uneducated. But one thing about her, was that we would never sleep uh, hungry. I did not know hunger, whatever the, the type and the nature of the food we had. But what was important was she made sure that there the was warmth at house, in, the, in our home. The, and I mean, she, she made sure that uh, we, were, we were we were having clothes. How, I mean, hair bosses would give us clothes. I remember one day that I, I did not even know that there's a difference between a, a girl's and, and boys' trousers. And I mean, <laughs> she, she brought me a, a, she thought it was, we had this cray fronted, you know. Yes. Uh, we used to call it bell bottom. Mm. She brought it to me only to realize that this, and I didn't know. <laughs> And someone said to me, look, the zip, uh, how it's situated. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. And, and yes. I, but that's how, how, how she meant well, mm. how she raised us uh, with love. With, and and, and I, she used to sell what we call Mbamba, mm. an African illicit beer, just illicit then. She would, she would be arrested. And that's when I then began to see the injustice. Here was a black woman who went, and I did not know how to even phrase them. Mm. But here's a woman who uh, was able to, um, I mean, was doing all all in her means to make sure that we survive. But then she was arrested. We, we used to call them blackjacks. She was arrested, taken into custody for selling this uh, illegal beer. But she made sure that she never stopped. And it was my interaction with police then to see, but uh, there's something wrong about this system there's something there's a lot of injustices about mm -hmm. how do you explain a woman who is trying to make uh, ends, ends meet, meet but then she gets arrested continuously and her scene was that she is selling what is considered construed illegal mm. and how did that now start playing itself out with you you growing up you're realizing that there's this emotional gap your mother is overwhelmed with this responsibility growing up into your teenage years now did you then decide this is what I'm going to do? When at at what point? How old were you when you decided this is what I want to do? Well, I I think I was I was a bit I was old. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, I uh, I did not know that life will take me to where I am now in terms mm. of uh, I mean, especially gender justice. Yes. I did not know. I, did, I didn't have a clue. But looking back, I think that the work that my mother did. And which and I, 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 she did not sit me down and say this is what you must be. But I guess I I then realized the importance of uh, what justice everywhere is mm -hmm. important. That rights are not indivisible. You will not say that this right I will support, this one I will not support. So I then realized um, very late in my life that probably she was preparing me to do the work that I do in terms of uh, fighting for justice. And I, but again I. 
happened to have been uh, I, I live with disability. I was shot in 1986 in mm. the head. The bullet got lost in my head. It caused what is called hemiplegia. I even then, when I was part of the Shagville Civic Association, fighting rent break, up of rent boycotts and being mm. part of the struggle then uh, in my hometown in Shagville, I then realized that they. Now I realize that this, 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 all of these are interrelated. That you can't talk of this right without talking, or you can't talk of this injustice, and then not talk the other injustices mm. around you. Mm. Yeah. So, what obstacles did you come across on this path of self-discovery, of this path of now advocating for equal rights and for for justice? Were they critics? Were they people saying? Where yeah. do you think you're gonna go? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they they I've had I've had with as I mentioned, uh, 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 being a disabled, being disabled. I mean, I've had men who say to me that, look, we, you're doing this work because you are not able to beat up women. Uh, yes. We 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 are able to beat up women because sure. we are able-bodied. Mm. And I mean, I've had I've had also men because I also do writings. I I write uh, like now I write a weekly column for the Sowetan newspaper. But I've, 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 I've always made sh- sure that these obstacles will not define the work I was doing. I mean, you would hear people say, but look, uh, equality I- in the African context is Eurocentric. You are preaching something that is un-African. You are preaching something that is imposed by, by colonizers. And, and these things, I, they, I've had people say, look, these things don't exist in our communities, especially as Africans, that they are uh, anti-our culture, mm-hmm. these are imposition. Uh, I've had men who say to me, look, you, you're doing this, uh, you are a, an Uncle Tom, you, you are pleasing uh, you know, probably your pay masters or your white masters. And it meant that uh, involving men, especially black men, in, in rising up and saying that there will be no violence, there will be no sexual violence uh, that would happen in my name. Then, many years ago, a lot of them would say, but look, um, we even, even religion or even faith-based support mm. um, these inequalities. Because then they would quote scriptures from the Bible that talks about men and their role and the power they have and that they were given by God. Mm. Now, and these were the critics who say, "Look, uh, we don't think this will fly." Why the boy child? Because <coughs> uh, we must change the narrative. I realize that uh, when we when when you are born, you you have these unearned privileges. You are born, and I could not understand up uh, up until now. You, the, other than the privileges, there's also pressure on 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 a, a very a, at a very early age. You mm-hmm. must perform. Uh, you must take risks. Now, things that uh, even uh, you know oppresses men. Very early boy, as a, as a, as a young boy, the, you are told that look, you must always succeed. Uh, you, you must always be an achiever. You must never be a follower. You must always be a leader. Now, all of these things were, had become a problem for me in that the, uh, imagine a, a, a six-year-old boy is told that you are in charge, you are in control, uh, you know, the, the whole world is your oyster. Now, all of these things, they created for me something that I could not 
a stand because the pressures is if if you you intend to think that you're a failure then what you resort to something that uh, you you become aggressive you become violent but again you are told that this is boys will always be boys mm. you are told that you are told that and told that look uh, the one thing that you must do from an early age run away from your emotions you are told that and discouraged. In fact, you are applauded when you don't show emotions. I find this, and I still do up until now, a, an, an unexplainable. How do you raise people to a, run away from their vulnerabilities? Mm. So, and I, I believe that when, when we, these teachings of being non-emotional, being non-sensitive, they in fact ultimately lead to what we see now. So for me was, if we are to create a society that rejects violence, let's start with, but also what do we start with the boy child? What do we do with the boy child? That they, they, they we, we, look, it, it, we must say to him that, look, that body uh, of that girl does not belong to you, belongs to, at an early age, so that these programs can succeed. Otherwise, because women don't rape themselves, young mm -hmm. girls don't kill themselves. It is us from an early age. Now, if we begin to construct a, a different narrative, I, I think that there's hope. I'm sitting in studio with Commissioner Mbuise Lobota from the Commission for Gender Equality. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back after this. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for choosing African Dialogue. I'm your host, Ayanda Mkwanazi. We're talking all things gender this morning with Commissioner Mbuise Lobota from the Commission for Gender Equality. Now, before the break, Commissioner, we're em you're emphasizing the importance of um, the upbringing of a boy child, changing the mindset of the boy child. How would you describe what we're seeing that's playing out in our communities right now, this violence, this intolerance? How would you you describe it we are definitely in a crisis oh for sure i mean i i could not agree more with our president that we are in a crisis and by the way i think that it has never happened in in i mean in our in our history that you have a president who really uh, is upfront about acknowledging this crisis because you'd have there are instances where some would be defensive some would be dismissive but you have a, a man who says look we must all our sleeves we must work but also he talks about um, about the involvement of men so we, we do have a crisis and I think that uh, as a country it's going to be important to uh, the resources we're talking about it's going to be important that we really really are serious about investing in the boy child in men I mean how I mean, and that investment for me is its even more than a seminars, workshop. It's about real work, everyday work, so that from, from I mean, from parliament, government, imagine, Ayanda, what would happen if every minister, deputy minister, would stand up every day and say that you will not perpetrate violence in my name. 
Yes. I mean, that would go a long way in sending a particular peculiar message, which is that violence does not define who we are as South Africans, as men. And I, I, I think that the, the president, especially his apology in, in, in Zimbabwe, was timely to, to say to the world that this is not who South Africans are. But, but, but and, and him continuing to take the center stage and saying that, look, we will stop at nothing to ensure that we bring normality. But at the center of it all is we must really have a programs that focuses on the boy child, but they should not be I under a flesh in the pan. Mm. That we should not be like, you know, you're fixing the roof um, when it has rained. Yes. But it, we must be these programs that we, and I hope that um, he will be able to say, what are preventative measures? Mm. Because what we do is as a country is that we are more like your, your ambulance after the fact. Mm. We don't invest in, in preventative work. And, and in failing to do so, we then become like we close always often without fail we close the stable when the horse has bolted we say and we'll meet again when another anin poison has been killed mm. we'll meet again when another carabas and we lament we say all of the good things because they make us look good they are headlines but then after two weeks there's something that we think is important we we'll go we back forget. to business as usual and we'll 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 wake up again maybe we are at sabc a, a staff member has killed another staff member mm. at a parking lot then we'll what is going with us? What I mean, the same as recently. I mean, the constitutional court banned corporal punishment mm. uh, at home. You know, the, the the level of 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 anger, resentment. When in fact, we we have not begun to make to I mean, the connections between the violence that we perpetrate our, against our children because they are powerless, because we are in control. We can't say, seem to make the connection with the, the domestic violence mm. because we then separate. Imagine we say things like, you know, I'm beating you up with love. I love you. And there are men who say, but you know, I, I am beating you up as my I partner because mm. I love you. I care for you. You know, I want to put you in the straight and narrow. And, and that connection is so important for us to do that. All forms of violence must be condemned. We must get to a point where we have alternative ways, but also anger management, especially for us, that I as a man must know that I can walk away. The role of fathers, because when you started the conversation, you spoke about the fact that we're such a broken society. Yeah. We have these single mothers raising kids. We've got, they've got burdens on their shoulders and the fathers are simply not there. And a father, every child has a father. It's not just about uh, physical yeah. uh, being, but emotionally, mm. what role do fathers then play? Because even those young boys will grow up to be fathers and then just the cycle continues. Yeah, I, th I think this, we, we, you, uh, and, and you can't overemphasize the role that we play. And not the physical only. I mean, and there are studies that, um, I mean, I remember when I worked with uh, the Songe Gender Justice, there were studies that were produced throughout the world on the importance of a father in the life of their children, but not only as just ATMs that we just provide money, that the, the emotional connectedness, the impact it has on, I mean, there's one study I remember where it, it, it talks about if I am involved in my daughter's lives at an early age, one of the one of the results immediately is that they would even defer sexual intercourse. Mm. I mean, because they 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 are affirmed. 
I mean, they, they don't need to be affirmed by men outside. Now, I mean, and, and about non-bullying. So there are practical, I mean, there are practical uh, results or benefits for us as men in being involved in the lives of our children, not just as people who provide money. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, the one study was talking about holding your son, I mean, have, holding your daughter, what all of these things they do to their self-image, their self-worth, their performance at school. Yeah. I mean, all of these things, they have a bearing. And it's not a, a, a thumb suck. There are studies that are scientific that confirms the role that as fathers, we, we must, we can, we should play in the lives of our children. Commissioner, I've got about a minute with you left. It's gone by so fast. Um, what do we do now? Talk, 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 but never giving up. Uh, we can't afford to be hopeless, helpless. It's important for us to say these are opportunities, uh, especially in a, at a time where we have a crisis, opportunities that says uh, we have no option. We can't just fold our arms. We also can't say that this, this is insurmountable. How would you describe yourself in three words? Lovely, energetic, and... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it from yourself. That's Commissioner Mbuiselo Boeta from the Commission for Gender Equality talking to us about gender justice and equal rights. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back after this.